You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. We're going to read the chapter, and as we do, uh, and I know it's long, we'll get through it, but it's a sobering chapter today. And today I'd like to just preach on the dangers of ignoring the warning signs. Don't miss the warning signs. Because Genesis 7 really is full of warning signs. And if we're to take and believe what the Bible says, only Noah and his family saw them and took heed. So Genesis chapter 7, we'll begin reading in verse 1 and try to follow it. We're not going to go back in great detail, uh, but, but here we go. Genesis 7 verse 1, it says, And the Lord said unto Noah... Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens, the male and his female, and of beasts that are not clean, by two, the male and his female. Of fowls also of the air by sevens, the male and the female, to keep seed alive upon the face of the earth. For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth, Forty days and forty nights, and every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. And Noah did according to all, unto all that the Lord commanded him. And Noah was six hundred years old when the flood of waters was upon the earth. And Noah went in, and his sons, and his wife, and his sons' wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Of clean beasts, and of beasts that are not clean, and of fowls, and of everything that creepeth upon the earth, there went in two and two unto Noah into the ark, the male and the female, as God had commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. And then in some ways the next section of the chapter summarizes it all again. Look at verse 11. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, The seventeenth day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened. And the rain was upon the earth forty days and forty nights. In the selfsame day entered Noah, and Shem, and Ham, and Japheth, the sons of Noah, and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark. They, and every beast after his kind, and all the cattle after their kind, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and every fowl after his kind, every bird of every sort. And they went in unto Noah into the ark, two and two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. And they that went in, went in male and female of flesh, as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. And the flood was forty days upon the earth, and the waters increased and bare up the ark, and it was lift up above the earth, and the waters prevailed, and were increased greatly upon the earth, And the ark went upon the face of the waters, and the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth, and all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered, and all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl, and of cattle, and of beast, and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, and every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of life. Of all that was in the dry land died. 
And every living substance was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle and the creeping things and the fowl of the heaven, and they were destroyed from the earth. And Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed upon the earth an hundred and fifty days. Now for those in Genesis chapter 7, a select few, they saw the warning signs and they took notice. But the vast majority of people in Genesis 7, they saw the signs. And it said, bridge out ahead. And yet they kept driving. And we can do that as well, that God gives us warning signs of judgment. And if we're not careful, we will miss them. Don't miss the warning signs. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this passage I pray that you'd help us. That covers a lot to cover here. I pray that you'd help us to get through all of it. That you'd be pleased both with how we uh, listen and heed it, but also how we respond. God, please, Lord, work in hearts today. You know the importance of a message like this. And I pray that you would have your way in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. Out of respect, you may be seated. Maybe you've uh, ignored a warning that you later regretted. It's happened to me in my life and many times, mostly while driving. You know what I'm saying about that? Where you have a warning sign and, and it, it says, I, I'll never forget when we were coming up uh, to Sioux Falls last year in March or I think January is when it actually happened. We were coming up and Sioux City, God bless the heart of Sioux City, Iowa. Under construction, which kind of defines it, doesn't it? They're on I-29 and you're driving along and it says... Um, speed limit lower, basically it says uh, 55 miles an hour ahead. You've been on the freeway going 75, and when you get to South Dakota, you know, it's 80 miles an hour, so you're not really thinking about it. It says 55, but, but like many people, you think that's a suggestion. <laughs> and I was following the flow of traffic, folks. I'm just an, uh, I'm an ignorant guy from Oklahoma at that point, just coming up to Sioux Falls and driving through Sioux City and thinking, well, if they want to give me a ticket, somebody will physically in a car pull me over to do it. Not in Sioux City, Iowa. 75 miles an hour, and, and I was going uh, 70 miles an hour. I was going 70, I think, the first time, going through Sioux City. And, and uh, you know, I didn't know that they, there were cameras, you know, just I missed the signs. So on the way back, guess what I did again? Going about 70, flow of traffic, missed the signs, didn't notice the camera. A few weeks later, I got not one, but two tickets from that blessed land of Sioux City, Iowa. $200, driving through Sioux City construction. I mean, I, I, I do it very differently now. You know, but there are plenty of other warning signs, other people that have ignored more serious warnings. And it costs them significantly. Ignoring a speed limit is one thing, but disregarding a, a hurricane warning is another. Not listening to a tornado warning, that's a totally different story. If you ignore the wrong kinds of warnings, it could cost you your life. And folks, and I don't mean to get too sober and serious too fast, but Genesis 7 is a sobering text. And it's dealing with God's judgment on people. And an ignored warning of coming judgment will, could cost you your life like it did many here in Genesis chapter 7. But to get to that point, I want to start with a look at the great flood 
because the flood was the way that God used, or the method God used to judge the earth. And let me just start by saying this, the flood is a fact. The flood is a fact. It was historical, meaning, you know, we always, we here at Eastside, we take the Bible at face value. We interpret scripture as historical and grammatical. And many people view the flood as a fairy tale. But the Bible presents it as something that actually historically happened. This is not a once upon a time. This is a point in time. And it's specific. Think about all the numbers here. As you go through this, in verse 2 it says, Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens, the male and the female. And those clean beasts, these were the beasts that were edible for consumption, but also um, they were suitable for sacrifice. And that they were, these would be the cattle and the oxen and the goats and the sheep. They were the, that, that Noah could use as food for his family, but also suitable to sacrifice to God. Just because he was in the ark didn't mean that his relationship with God stopped. He still worshipped. Uh, and then after they got off the ark, they would have to, to take sevens. Here means that they had more of the clean beasts, so they would have more to do what they needed to even after they got off the ark. He says again in verse 2, Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens, by ma- ma- male and female, of, of beasts that are not clean, by two, the male and the female. These the unclean beasts. These are all the beasts that wouldn't be suitable necessarily for, for food or for sacrifice. Just, again, we're looking at the numbers. He talks about sevens. He talks about twos. In verse 4, For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth, forty days and forty nights. Look down in verse 12. And the rain was upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. Look down at verse 17. And the flood was 40 days upon the earth. You start to see these numbers. They're specific. Look back up in verse 6. Noah was 600 years old. Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters was upon the earth. Look back down in verse 11. In the 600th year of Noah's life. Look at this. In the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day where all the fountains of the great deep broken up so again we see very specific days this was Noah's 600th year it was in the second month the 17th day of the month look down in verse 20 I know I'm going quick 15 cubits upward did the waters prevail there's another number that a cubit 15 cubits is about 40 feet and we take that to mean that that 40 feet their their earth's tallest point was under at least 40 feet of water Look down in verse 24. And the waters prevailed upon the earth 150 days. Water covered all the earth for 150 days. And you say, well, why all the numbers? Why are you bringing those up? Well, these are specific, measurable numbers. In other words, this is not a story in in which Moses, as he wrote this for the children of Israel, he was not saying once upon a time. No, he was saying at a point in time. Specifically, the second uh, in Noah's Noah's six hundredth year, in the second month on the seventeenth day, that's when it all came came down. There were two two of these kind of beasts, and there were seven of these, or maybe fourteen, depending on how you read it. Fourteen or seven, seven pairs of this kind of beast and animal. There were birds, and there were fowls, and there were those that creep on the earth, and those that walk on the earth. And the rain came down for forty days. And 40 nights, and it was 40 cubits above the highest point. And for 150 days, water covered the earth. These are facts, folks. The flood is historical. It was an event that really happened in history. And if that's not enough to convince us, uh, keep your place here in Genesis 7. Let's look over at Matthew chapter 24. Keep your place in Genesis 7, but turn to Matthew chapter 24. 
In case we're not convinced, um, because it's specific in the text, I want you to notice the most convincing voice about the flood of all time. Matthew chapter 24. And if you've got a Bible that, that the words of Christ are in red, you notice that there's a big chunk right here of words in red. It's Jesus Christ himself talking. Look at Matthew chapter 24, verse 37 about the flood. It says, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And I'm going to reference these verses a couple of times today, but I want you to just point out to you the fact that Jesus Christ viewed the flood as historical fact. Jesus looked at the flood and said it really happened. This is how it happened. Here are the details. And yes, he uses it as a picture of future judgment, which he also recognizes as a fact. So past judgment is a fact to Jesus Christ. Future judgment is as well. Not only that, so we've got the numbers, we've got the Christ testimony. Then you also have the wide distribution. You can turn back over to Genesis 7. You also have the wide distribution of the flood story in cultures throughout the earth. And, and uh, there's different numbers for this, but some say there are over 270 stories about a worldwide flood in different cultures and languages. Tribes and people groups, and I'm just going to read these to you, in New Guinea, North America, Brazil, Peru, Africa, Greenland, Hawaii, the Middle East, the Far East, Australia, Eastern Europe, and Siberia all have a universal flood as part of their tradition. The vast majority speak of, of a favored family in the flood. 70% attribute survival to a boat. Almost 70% attribute the disaster to the wickedness of mankind. About 70% record that animals were also saved. And since all mankind came from Noah, all mankind can trace stories back to the flood. It was a historical event. Not only was it historical, an event that really happened in history, the flood was also universal. So it was historical, but it was also universal, meaning this was a worldwide event. And many people dispute this and they say it was only local God. I mean, a flood all over the earth. Come on. That doesn't make sense. But we believe it primarily, folks, because the Bible says it. Amen. I mean, go back to Genesis 7 and look in verse 3. It says, of fowls also of the air by sevens, the male and the female to keep seed alive upon the face of all the earth. As a matter of fact, you see that kind of language over 30 times, 30 universal terms. Pointing to the fact that the flood was universal. Look at verse 4. It says, For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth, forty days and forty nights, and every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. Look down in verse 19, and notice the universal language. And the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth, and all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Uh, look down in verse 21. And all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle and of beasts, of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, and every man, all, verse 20, all in whose nostrils was the breath of life of all that was in the dry land, 
died. Verse 23, and every living substance was destroyed which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle and the creeping things and the fowl of the heavens. They were destroyed from the earth and Noah only remained alive. Noah only remained alive. They that, and they that were with him in the ark. Do you start to get the idea that no matter what somebody else says, the Bible says this was a universal flood. It covered all the earth. Water levels increased for 40 days. Think about that. 40 days. You ever seen a hard rain here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota for an hour when it really comes down hard? You notice what that does to our streets? What it does to the ditches? You've seen flooding here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And frankly, it doesn't take a very long time for a lot of water to build up in the streets and floods take place. So now imagine 40 days of rain coming down hard like that. And not only that, the Bible says that the, the, the earth opened up and water came up from the deep. And it's not so far-fetched to think that the earth was covered in water after 40 days of deluge. It's not so inconceivable to think that, that the flood was universal. Besides, after that, we could go to Genesis chapter 8 when God makes a promise to, to Noah. And what, what is the promise? What's the form of the promise he gives? Rainbow. He gives a rainbow, which, by the way, it points to God's faithfulness as, as a faithful God who keeps his promises. The rainbow needs, means nothing else, really, in this culture. They've stolen the symbol that God is a faithful God who makes promises and keeps them. His faithful promise of a rainbow. You know what he said? He's like, I'll never judge the earth like this again. So if this wasn't universal, it was just a local flood. What God was saying was, I'll never send a local flood again. But there have been many local floods. So we have to believe this was universal in nature because God made a promise never to do it again. There's other evidence, and, and I'm not the guy to ask about this. I'm not a scientist or geologist, but there are rock layers with marine fossils found in the walls of the Grand Canyon more than a mile above sea level. Explain it. Fossilized shellfish are found in the Himalayas. Explain it. There's plenty of, str of strong evidence for a universal flood to be found in material. You could go to Answers in Genesis and places like that, other apologist ministries. I'm not the guy to make that case necessarily, but I want to go back to the best evidence we had that it was universal. And those are again the words of Jesus Christ. He says, the passage we just read, it says it took them all away. No locale on earth was spared. No people group was exempt. No individual was left untouched. The flood was universal and worldwide. Speaking of flood, I'm about to take a drink. It's awkward when I do it, so just give me a minute. All right. It's better if you just get it out there. Okay. The flood was sudden, but not without warning. Think about it. The flood, it was historical. It really happened. It was universal in that it was worldwide, but the flood was also sudden, but not without warning. See, so think about all the warning signs in this account. Noah built an ark, and he built an ark for 120 years. So everybody in that location, don't you know they'd heard about Noah building the ark? 
Don't you think that became a stop uh, for people as they, as they went through the country? They said, hey, I've got something you've got to come see. Let's go look at it. There was a witness. They watched it for 120 years. Not only that, he gathered animals. I mean, these animals. And we know the migratory instincts of certain animals. That we've heard amazing stories about people moving and their dog or cat find themselves hundreds of miles away and going back home. I mean, it's amazing. This migratory instinct that people, that animals have. But can you imagine all of these animals? It's like a mobile zoo. And when that comes through town, you would have to think people would have taken notice. That's a unique thing to watch happen. But I look at it like it was a warning sign. The Bible says after the ark was built and all the animals came and Noah and his family were there and they even entered the ark. You know what the Bible says? They had to wait another seven days before everything happened. You know, don't you think after 120 years, you get on the ark, you're like, okay, kids, this is it. And you get there and nothing happens for seven days. That would have felt like the longest seven days of your life. Did I blow it? Did I miss it? I mean, God, you said, do this. And for seven days, you sit there. I really wanted to preach on that today, um, but that's not the point of the text, so I couldn't. But it's a good point to make in that we sometimes we get ahead of ourselves and we think, well, this is the timing that makes sense, but if it's not God's timing, we just have to wait a little bit longer. And not only that, it points to God's mercy. For 120 years, he gave the people there, he gave them warning sign after warning sign. And Noah and his family were witnesses that there's a flood coming and there's judgment coming. 120 years and now the, 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 the ark is built and the animals go on the ark and the door is open for seven more days. God is a long-suffering God and he wants every person that can to come to him before judgment. God did not send the flood without warning. They knew it was coming, but when the flood came, I believe it was sudden. And the fountains of the great deep were broken up. The windows of heaven were opened. And I believe water overtook the earth very quickly. It was sudden. Jesus said, in the days of Noah, they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. That's how sudden it was. And they missed every warning sign. They missed the 121 boat building, uh, 120 year boat building. They missed the, the animals. They missed the testimony of Noah and his family. And on the days that the day that the waters came, the door was shut and the opportunity was over. Verse 16, and they went in, male and female of flesh, and as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. And I imagine them beating on the outside of the ark. I imagine them begging to be let in. But it was too late. They'd had warnings, 120 years of warnings, but the Lord had shut the door. And their opportunity was over. They ignored the warning signs. They missed the bridge out sign. They, they didn't turn on the news to hear a hurricane's coming. They didn't have their ears open to hear the tornado siren. Folks, the flood is a fact. And it was historical. And it was universal. And it was sudden. But not without warning. It really happened. And you might say, why does it matter? What difference does it make to me if there was a historical universal, sudden flood thousands of years ago. Folks, here's why it matters. The flood was an act of God's divine judgment against a sinful world. 
They had turned their backs on God and he judged them for it. So the flood was a fact and judgment is a fact that you cannot avoid. If the flood is a fact, then judgment is a fact. If the flood happened, then God's judgment is real. And if God's judgment is real, was real in Noah's days, it's real for us too because God's nature is immutable. As I read the verse earlier that gave us comfort, and it says, I am the Lord, I change not in Malachi. On the other hand, when it comes to judgment, I am the Lord and I change not. And if he judged the earth back then for their wickedness, who are we to think that just because we think we've evolved in some way or another as a culture, that we can escape God's judgment and he won't judge us? No, if the flood is a fact, then God's judgment is a fact. He doesn't change. The point is this, if the flood is fact, God's judgment is fact. And if God's judgment is fact, then we need to heed the warning signs because God is our judge. See, just like Jesus said in Matthew 24, uh, when he read, of the, as in the days of Noah, the coming of the sun will be for as in the days of Noah that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and, and, and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered in the ark. And they knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. And listen, there's a lot to wade through, and my focus today is not on future prophecy or what happens in the future according to Bible prophecy, but I believe there's a lot for us to take note of in Noah's story. See, God is holy, but the nature of mankind is sinful. See, it's wicked. We are wicked in our nature. We're against God in our nature. God has promised universal worldwide judgment. I believe that God will preserve his righteous saints from the judgment and wrath, just like he did with Noah. And and the rest of humanity will be judged because they've turned their backs on God. Listen, if the flood is a fact, and I want you to really lock in here. If the flood is a fact, then future judgment will also be a historical event. If the flood is a fact, then it is an event that will happen without a doubt in the future. If God's word says it, it's as good as done. If the flood is a fact, then future judgment will also be a universal event, meaning that no one will be exempt. There won't be anyone who says, well, I didn't get enough time or I wasn't raised to believe this or I had this disadvantage. No, God's judgment covers every sinner as indiscriminately as the floodwaters. If the flood is fact, then future judgment will be sudden, but not without warning. And that's the point I want to focus on today. We have plenty of warnings about God's judgment. Genesis 7 is a warning. Christ's words in Matthew 24 are a warning. The condition and direction of this world we live in, that should serve as a warning because it's like the days of Noah. Let me give you some warning signs from scripture that judgment is coming. Hebrews 9.27 says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one of us may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Romans chapter 14, verse 10. For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Matthew chapter 12, 
36, but I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. That's universal. You say, well, it's the dead standing before God. We will all die. And these that have died, died without Christ, and they're standing before God. And listen, this is a future judgment, and it is historical, and it is universal, and it will one day be sudden, but not without warning. It says they, the book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Folks, one day every person will stand before God. And if your name is not found in the Lamb's book of life, you will be separated from God for eternity. We are all sinners. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And our sin has separated us from God. For the wages of sin is death. But folks, I want to tell you today, the Bible has warned you. If you stand before God, your judge, without dealing with your sin, you will be sentenced to hell for eternity. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. You can no longer say you haven't been warned. You say, you're getting really fired up about this. But listen, I want you to hear the warnings. I want you to heed the warnings. The warnings from the Bible are clear. And just like Noah, you have many witnesses. You have people that have warned you about the dangers of ignoring God's word. And yet some carry on ignoring God's word. Maybe some friend or family member has told you about Jesus Christ. It could be a friend or a neighbor. Maybe this warning right now is the first clear warning you've ever had. And I'm sorry you had to wait till this point in your life to get a warning about it. But you've been warned. You know. If the flood is a fact, then judgment is a fact. And judgment is coming. And it's universal and no one is exempt You've heard the warning from God's word and you've heard the warning from God's witnesses that judgment is coming. And you must deal with your sin before you stand there alone by yourself with nobody else. You'll stand there before God. I know, know it's not popular. To be judgmental in our day and age is almost the ultimate sin. No one likes to be judged. And everybody's favorite verse is judge not, albeit completely out of context. This week, Kina and I were driving, going to lunch. You're alert here? We were driving to lunch. We were getting on the freeway down on 10th and near 229. And there's a guy with a sign. And listen, I'm not, I am not judging and it's not my place. I'm not the judge. God is the judge. But he was standing there with a sign. You know what his sign said? He said, what right do you have to judge me? And he was walking up to each car with that sign in his hand. And he said, what right do you have to judge me? 
Don't look at me that way. You can't judge me. You don't know me. He'd go to the next car. What right do you have to judge me? You can't judge me that way. Of every car. He stopped at the car in front of us. What right do you have to judge me? Pointed his finger right in the window. They rolled their window down and gave him money. Then he came to my window. I didn't give him any money. I wasn't judging him. It's not my place. I don't know his background. I don't know the reason he's standing there. But you know what he was doing was the way that many of us feel. Nobody can judge me. I'm my own judge. I establish my own truth. Nobody can tell me what to do. I'm my own person. You can't judge me. Don't look at me that way. That's almost the worst sin that you can commit. To, to, to commit an act of judgment on somebody else. People don't like to be judged. But there is a rightful judge. And his name is God. And he created the universe. He's the rightful judge to whom we will all answer. He created us and he set us up his standard for righteousness and said, here's my standard. But from the very beginning in Genesis 3, we've all broken that standard and therefore we are guilty before God. We deserve separation. We deserve to be sentenced to everlasting judgment and separation because of our choice to sin. And that's not popular. That's nobody's favorite subject. And if I want to bring in the crowds to Eastside Baptist Church, I wouldn't preach things like this. But whether or not it's liked and whether or not it's received and whether or not it's popular, God's judgment is as much a fact as the flood. And if you accept the flood as fact, then you must accept God's judgment as fact. You can't avoid judgment. But before you, before you get upset, before you tune it out and say that preacher he's just not relevant let me remind you that you've been warned and that's not a threat it's an act of mercy meaning God loves you enough to warn you about the coming judgment See, God will judge the earth and it will be historical and it will be universal and it will be sudden. But friend, keep this in mind. God's judgment is not without warning. You see, by his grace, he has given us his word so we'll know what we've done and know what we deserve. And he's given us witnesses to tell us we have been warned, we know it's coming. And he didn't have to go to those links, but he did because he loves us. And my mind goes back to driving through Sioux City and getting those tickets. And I could be upset, but the truth is there were warning signs. I could be upset, but it said camera ahead. The sign was there. I could be angry, but I missed the warning sign. But see, there's even a bigger difference, thankfully, between the state of Iowa and the way God operates. See, I was guilty of speeding, and the only way that I could avoid further consequences was to pay for my tickets, $200. But here's the difference with God. Before you think he's so harsh to judge you, there's one more length God went to that we can't ignore in all this. See, the flood is a fact, and it's, universe, it's historical, and it's universal, and it's sudden, but it's not without warning. And here's the greatest part of all. Judgment is a fact. We can't avoid it. But God has provided a way to escape. Amen. 
See, we know God is a loving judge because his judgment includes both a warning and a way of escape. We know God is a loving judge because his judgment includes both a warning and a way of escape. See, the state of Iowa, they didn't offer me a way to escape. I had to pay, and no one called and said, if you'll ask nicely, we'll pay your fine. No, the state of Iowa, they didn't offer that, but God did. See, he's the judge, yes, but he's also the provider of a means to escape the judgment. And in Noah's day, it was an ark, and the ark wasn't just a way for Noah and his family to survive. There was plenty of room for others. God had given them a means to escape judgment, and he left the door open for them. It's just that nobody else took him up on his offer. But the ark can't help you, and it can't help me. And when it comes to sin, what's our means of escape? It's not an ark, but it's a cross. See, Jesus Christ paid our debt in our place on a cross 2,000 years ago. And the offer still stands. For them, they had 120 years of warning. For us, we've had almost 2,000 years of warning. In Noah's days, they had witness. They had Noah, they had his family. And in our day, we have God's word established and we have believers that will declare it and be a witness to it. God, in his abundant grace, waited to close the door into the last minute. And God, in his abundant grace today, has chosen to continue to keep the door open for anyone who wants to escape his judgment right now. Even this morning, Jesus is not a door on an ark, but he did say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Friend, if you're still breathing, the door is still open. Jesus Christ is your one way to escape judgment. God is holy, we are sinners, but Jesus died in our place on a cross. We owe to find we could never pay, but Jesus took care of it all. And all you have to do is walk through the open door. John, uh, Romans ten thirteen: for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, 9 and 10, but if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. In Acts 20, Paul said, I've kept back nothing, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God because of sin, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, you must realize your sin, it's a death sentence. Sin will leave you outside the door with the water rising. You must turn from your sin and recognize God's plan to escape judgment is your only hope. The door is still open. Jesus Christ, he still extends the offer. But there will come a time, friend, when the door will be shut. And when that happens, you can no longer escape judgment. I say to you, Friend, it's time to get on board. You've been warned. God's word has been a warning and God's witness. If nothing else, God's witness right here has been a warning for you. You've been warned. You know the consequences, which is eternal separation from God in hell. You know the means of escape. The cross of Jesus Christ. Where he paid for your sins and he died and he was buried. But on the third day... He rose again and defeated sin and death. And it's likely there are people in this room 
who are without Christ. And you sit outside the ark, eating, drinking, living life. And yes, there are warning signs, but you're thinking, I got time. Well, it's true that God extends grace, but judgment is sudden. And when judgment begins, that's where grace ends. And it will be too late. And many have intended to choose Christ. But death came suddenly. Death came in a surprise. And they thought they had time. I'm thinking about young people I know. Teenagers. Think they have their whole life ahead of them. And death comes suddenly. I mean, this whole year, it seems like all we hear about are the numbers and the death. I mean, whether or not, whatever you believe about everything that's going on, people have, a lot of people have died in 2020. And they didn't think 2020, at the beginning of the year, was the year of their death. But death comes suddenly. And someday, Jesus Christ will return. And when he does, and he takes his people up to heaven, in a time of serious wrath and judgment really begins at that point. I mean, grace ends. Folks, let me tell you, you can't say judgment isn't real and escape it. No, if the flood was real, God's judgment is real. You can't say, I think I'm good enough because Romans 3 says there is none righteous. There are no exceptions. We're all sinners. And you can't say, I think I have time. Well, God has extended grace, but you're not guaranteed tomorrow, friend. What do you get on the ark, though? Well, preservation, salvation, eternal life, escape from judgment. So, are you willing to risk your eternity and put off entering the way? Jesus Christ said, I'm the way, for a little bit more time to do your own thing. To God's people this morning, I say judgment is a fact. And we will also stand before Christ. We will answer for the works we've done. But listen, it's not, judgment's not just real for you, it's real for everybody. There are people outside the ark, friends, that need to be warned. And what if it was you outside the ark? Would you want someone to shout from the top window and say, you better get on board The door could close any minute. If it was your family, would you want someone to continue to be a witness? If it was your loved ones, would you want somebody to continue to shout the warning signs? Because I think, yes, judgment is coming for those outside the ark, but I think there's a lot of people on the ark that are far too comfortable. Plenty of room for more. Don't let the door close without warning somebody. I wonder how many drowning souls we'll have to answer for. Because our mindset was, well, hey, at least I'm on the ark. Friends, Christian, would you be willing to take seriously your responsibility to warn those outside the ark? Then we have some Christians in here, and you, you may be in the ark, but your heart's outside the ark. And you may be in the boat, but you really, in some ways, you're kind of living like you're not. And if you've received Christ as your Savior, 
but you're not living like it, there's a judgment for you as well. And yes, you may stand before Christ and he say, I knew you, but he's not, but he'll look at you and say, but you did nothing for me. And you'll be, you'll be saved, yet so as by fire, the Bible says, with nothing to bring before your Savior. And to you, I say, your time is drawing to a, to a close as well. And before you're in a position where you have to come back to God because of some disaster, why don't you come back on your own? And then to those that are outside the ark and you've never received Christ as your Savior and you say, I don't know that if I died today that I would be on my way to heaven. I say to you, the door is still open. There's no reason to wait another moment. Get on the ark. Get on board. If the flood is a fact, judgment's a fact. And if judgment is a fact, you can't avoid it. But God has provided a way to escape, and the door is still open. Would you be willing to heed the warning signs and get on board this morning? Every head bowed, every eye closed, you can remain seated for a moment. I'm going to ask a couple of questions. Because of the nature of this sermon, I don't always do this, but when it's very confrontational about salvation... This is the most important moment in somebody's life in this room right now. Because you came in and you're not on the ark, but you really would like to be because you don't want to have to go through that kind of judgment. And today you're thinking, well, what do I do? I'm not sure. Well, I'm going to ask this question and I'm going to say, do you know 100% for sure that if you died today that you would be on your way to heaven? If you know that 100% for sure, you know, would you please just raise your hand? And I'm looking around the room and there's hands all over the place. I'm thankful for that. Thank you for that testimony. You can put your hands down. But I have to ask this other question and I'm going to ask the men of Eastside Baptist Church to pray for me while I ask the question and pray for hearts sitting in the pews right now. Please pray. If there's anybody in this room this morning and you say, if I died today, I don't know that I'm on the ark. I don't know that I've taken the steps of faith that I need through Jesus Christ. I don't know that if I died today that I would spend eternity in heaven with God. I don't know. I'm not sure. Would you just very quickly raise your hand and you don't have to keep it up long. I'll acknowledge it and you can put it right back down. But I want to pray for you today because the day is the day of your salvation. Your time may be drawing to a close and I'm looking around the room. Would you just lift up your hand? You say, I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that I would be, that, that I would spend eternity in heaven. I'm looking, scanning my right here. Anybody, just raise your hand. Raise your hand if you don't know for sure. I'm looking over here. Saw one hand over on this side of my, to my right. Today's the day of salvation. I'm praying for you to make the decision you need. You don't have all the time you think you do. I'm looking to my right center section right here. Anybody in this section with a hand raised, would you just raise it real quickly? And you can put it right back down and I'll pray for you today. You say, I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that, I, that that's settled between me and God. Anybody in this, in this section? Moving on to the section to the center left right here. Anybody in this section, you say, I don't know. With a quick raise of hand, I would say that I'm not sure that I'm saved. Anybody in this section to my left? Okay, I'm looking to the far left section. Anybody over here? And you say, I don't know that if I died today that I would spend eternity in heaven. Would you just very quickly raise your hand and you can put it right back down. Anybody in this section to my left? 
I know that's a hard thing to do, and, and it's something that may be a little bit frightening. But listen, a little bit of discomfort right now would be well worth it to spend eternity in heaven with God. And I'm asking you to humble yourself to anybody that has raised their hand about your salvation. Would you make today the day that you get it settled? We have men and we have women up front that would help you with that decision to show you what steps you need to take of faith. You don't have to leave here wondering. To the Christians in this room, I want to ask, are there any whose hearts, maybe your body is in the ark, but in some ways your heart's outside it. And you're not where you're supposed to be, but you want to be closer to God again. Anybody, I'm looking around the room, just raise your hand. You say, There's, I am not where I'm supposed to be, and I see hands in every section. I'm seeing hands to my left, I see hands in every section. Uh, they're saying, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. And I think if I died today, there'd be some regrets in my life. Well, today's the day to get on the ark. Friend, today's the day to come back to avoid the judgment that you might face. To the Christian in the room that says, I'm on the ark, but I think I'm a little bit too comfortable. And I have not urgently been shouting the message of warning to those outside the ark. And I need to improve in that. I'm looking all over the room. You say, that's me today. And there's hands all over the room in every section. Every section, hands in every section. And I'm going to ask you to stand. Would you stand together with me? And if God spoke in your heart, if you raised your hand about some matter, let's stand together. I'll pray. If you raised your hand about some matter, I'm going to ask you to respond. And so make a decision today. Don't leave the same way that you entered here in this room today. And for those that raised your hand for salvation, I encourage you to step out on faith and say, today is the day that I make this decision of faith. I choose Christ. I don't want to, I don't want to miss the warning signs. Heavenly Father, Thank you for the way that you're working in hearts. I pray that you give people the courage to step out and make the decision they need to make. God, I pray that you'd help these altars to be a place that people can come in and make a decision for you if someone needs to get right with you today, if someone needs to improve their commitment to shouting out the warning, Lord, or if someone needs to make the day the day of salvation and come down and decide to, to, to put their faith in Christ today and settle their eternity. I pray that you give those that have raised their hands the courage to take a step. God, we ask you, have your will and way. Holy Spirit, move as you will in Jesus' name. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.